Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. I've started off with a few friends. I segmented them in WhatsApp groups because some like makeup, some like skincare. And then when the new brochure comes out every month, I send them a link and say like, here's a whole brochure, but these are the bookmarks to the products that I think are right for you. So again, it's kind of a modern way of recommending. And she's one of our top sellers. Now I did ask her, how do you then from there, develop new customers, etc. I said, I do digital advertising on social media, do performance marketing through my social media channels to gather new customers, which I then integrate and then either I deal with them online or most of them she then puts in WhatsApp and her segmented WhatsApp groups. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, have you ever participated in the sort of old school relationship selling woman comes, knocks on your front door? I often reference our uh, generational divide. I will say yes. And in fact, I was never a seller, but I was certainly one who, who got roped into these kinds of things. For me, a big one of them was Pampered Chef. I don't know. I must have been like married maybe 10 years. And like every friend of mine was doing this as a side hustle. They had a couple of young kids. They didn't want to like <laughs> go back to a typical work. I have so much Pampered Chef stuff in my house. And truth is really good. But yeah, like when people really get passionate about this stuff, it's next level or multi-level. I guess that's the whole thing behind it. What, what, what about you? Well, despite our slight age difference, <laughs> I think my most active engagement in relationship selling is Girl Scout cookies. Oh, great point. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot about the whole fact that my kids have been selling Passover chocolate for like since the beginning of time, including myself. I used to sell that when I was a kid. We start them young in this country. Hey, you know what? Entrepreneurship uh, should start at a young age. I always love finding stories of people who had like, you know, their lemonade stands. They sold Girl Scout cookies. 
in our neck of the woods, Passover chocolate. That was, that was a big one. But they were more campaignable. It wasn't like a necessarily an ongoing career situation. But you're right on the Girl Scouts. Man, those Thin Mints. It's awesome to think about how companies can stand the test of time and evolve that model. And one to look at is Avon. It's been around for 137 years. That's a long time. But when uh, we had the pleasure of speaking with Christoph, who's now their CMO, and the way that this has evolved and the way relationship selling has evolved is so fascinating. Today, if my kids wanted to go sell, I mean, obviously they're adults, but like, let's say they were kids and they were gonna go sell chocolate door to door. I would never let them go door to door like the way I did as a kid, safety and all that other stuff notwithstanding, but like, what's the next version of that? And I think Avon's got some really interesting approaches here. Well, on that note, let's bring Kristoff onto the show. Today, we got a two-timer. Now he'll be a two-timer coming back. Kristoff Narek, the CMO of Avon. Hello. Hi, good to be back. <laughs> Glad that you wanted me back. <laughs> yeah, obviously we did. You know, last time you were here, you had a different job title. That is true. Yeah, we're still at Walgreens Boots Alliance at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you were actually one of our earliest guests. So it was about time that we brought you back and excited to talk to you under a new lens. Avon, when we all think about it, we know this company's been around for a while. Maybe images of our grandma come to mind, but at least for me, this would predate my grandmother's. Avon's been around for 137 years. Yeah. And Avon pioneered relationship selling. Hmm. Some people might know what that means or think they know what that means, but would love to hear from you what is relationship selling? What did it look like then? And what does it look like now in 2023? Yeah, maybe I'll start. What did it look back then? And then I'll get to how we're trying to evolve it. Because the original relationship selling and you know the term Avon lady or ding dong Avon calling might ring a bell to some people. But that's what it in essence was. It was predominantly women. I think 98% of our, call it representative base, are women. And basically, they went around at the time selling door-to-door products with, you know, one of these lovely paper catalogs. They didn't look like that way back when, but they know their customers really well and then make personalized recommendations to these customers. I mean, almost in a way, they were a very analog influencer model where they would basically go around with their products and recommend the right products based on their own experience and based on what they knew of the customer. But that was way back when. And I must say, though, in some of the more developing markets like Brazil or in South Africa, Philippines, there's still a lot of that. Even still in the UK, there's still a lot of paper door-to-door kind of cosmetics parties going on. However, we definitely see a more developed market. There's a huge shift happening to more, what I would say, omni-channel direct selling or omni-channel relationship selling. For example, now you have a digital brochure that you can send around with WhatsApp. You know, I met this representative in Italy who, uh, a few weeks ago. He's one of our top selling representatives. And I said, how do you sell? Well, I've started off with a few friends. I segmented them in WhatsApp groups because some like makeup, some like skincare. And then when the new brochure comes out every month, I send them a link and say, like, here's a whole brochure. But these are the bookmarks to the products that I think are right for you. So again, it's kind of a modern way of recommending. And she's one of our top sellers. Now, I did ask her, how do you then from there develop new customers? I said, I do digital advertising on social media. 
do performance marketing through my social media channels to gather new customers, which I then integrate and then either I deal with them online or most of them she then puts in WhatsApp in her segmented WhatsApp groups. And she was selling tens of thousands of euros of cosmetics products. So it's definitely changed a lot. I mean, and there's two other ones that I would say are gaining more and more momentum. So now we're actually encouraging our more sizable representatives to open up their own stores. So again, they would be more like franchisees. Uh, we have already 63 of those stores in Turkey. We're opening our first ones in the UK. We already have a few in South Africa. So that's definitely gaining momentum. And then the third way our representatives are selling is actually now through social media. So we allow them to connect their social media channels with our digital asset management tool. And then they can go in there and say like, okay, I want to sell lipstick today. They look through our pictures and videos and they pick the one they want. They can post that with either text that we suggest or the one that they customize. And then it works more like an affiliate link almost. And then, of course, in particularly in Asia, you have like TikTok shop, etc. Like there was this one rep in the Philippines, part of our TikTok squad. She told me, yeah, yeah, I made this little video about a body lotion. It was a papaya body lotion. She sold 6,000 of them in just a matter of, I think it was a day, 24 hours. And then she turned up at our factory with a van and said, I need 6,000 of these body lotions. And then she mailed them out to all of her customers. But yeah, so, you know, direct selling or relationship selling has definitely evolved over the times. And I would call them more like omni-channel relationship sellers or omni-channel beauty entrepreneurs because they are not our employees. They're all independent women who create their own beauty business. You give them more keys to the castle than you would to a regular influencer. Yes. Like if they have access to your digital asset management system, like that empowers them probably in a way to sell more. It does, yeah. And also because not all of them, I would argue, are content creators you know not everybody wants to create their own content there's a lot uh, you know we have our beauty insiders program as well for the people who actually want to become more we call it live sellers so we have a partnership with another company who does live selling streaming platforms as well so for the ones that want to create their own content they can and we give them a few brand guidelines but again you definitely give a lot out of it's not like where you pay them because ultimately they're independent women. They can create whatever content they want, but we try to train them to at least stay as close as possible to what the brand tries to stand for. And for the ones that don't want to create their own content, they can just leverage whatever is in our asset library. Or even if we have influencer assets, they can tag them and it works more like a um, an affiliate link, for example. So yeah, it's definitely much more modernized than it used to be. And again, we're on a journey here, but it's definitely gaining more and more momentum, particularly in developed markets where it is already quite a significant chunk of our sales. I love this. This WhatsApp thing is just like mind blowing to me, not because I don't know how to use WhatsApp or I don't know how to use WhatsApp to sell, but the whole idea of having this cohort analysis using it. So here's the thing, like, I love it because it's like super duper scrappy and- Yes, <laughs> like segmentation. <laughs> okay, like I want to kind of hire her. So we're going to have to talk about like non-compete or non-solicit or whatever. Yeah, she was 18 years old. She was still a student to become a beauty esthetician. <laughs> it's... That's freaking awesome. I love it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. As you think about, and I love what you guys are doing from a sales enablement perspective, whether that's through a dam or through other mechanisms to be able to help them kind of set up their own storefronts. How does that scale? Don't get me wrong. Like the whole point of like the way that you guys go about it is through empowerment of that next level from a multi-channel perspective. Yes. But like, what can you guys give to them to start thinking through, okay, so you've done a great job on WhatsApp. How do we think about this from, like, can we help them from a CRM perspective? Like what are the different things that you're thinking about beyond that? So it's a really good point actually. And so, because I would say most of these efforts have started like three, four years ago to start going into that direction and and actually also providing training, like that representative who was doing performance marketing, actually, we gave her a trend. So we have all of these trainings to enable them, et cetera. But equally, it comes down to recruiting the right people, uh, I would say, because again, somebody who's very comfortable going door to door with a paper catalog is maybe not the same person who's going to do the advanced things that I was just saying. So that's why... There's a number of efforts in terms of making sure that we recruit the right profile and recruit a slightly different profile, probably also a slightly younger profile, which also helps us with our penetration amongst a younger target audience, then training them, equipping them. And then the next stage for us, and you know, that's some news that will come out in the near future. Actually, that's where the CRM then comes in, because I would say currently we do not have, on the one hand, that singular view of our representative. And then from the end customer, because in a way we're B2B2C. So we have very few access only through our own direct channels in our DTC e-commerce website. We have access to that end customer data. So actually what we want to eventually do is kind of get some sort of loyalty program in place so that we know what the end customer looks like. So we can actually help and technologically enable that representative to say, oh, by the way, your customer has run out of this product. You might want to have a chat with them. Or do you just want to click send them this email that we've already prepared for you? So that's kind of the next stage of technological enablement of that representative through a whole data ecosystem. But again, there's always a, a nervousness with our representatives to give their customer data to us to help them because they're always afraid, oh, you're just going to take my customer and deal with them directly. So we need to clearly always be clean on that. And secondly, 
create a value exchange. It's like with any customer. The customers are not going to share their data if they don't see what am I getting in return. And the same thing for our representatives. So we need to still work on that. No, I think it's a really interesting point. And if I had to like draw an unusual parallel, almost like your last job at WBA, sorry, Walgreens Boots Alliance, for those who uh, weren't tracking, there's that whole thing about like, how much data do you want to give up to the supplier or to the customer? And it's so interesting how you're flipping it on its head because you are both the POS, but you're also the, the sales. It's just fascinating to me. And I agree with you, like there's going to be a skittishness of sharing data back up. Like it literally is not supposed to be a bi-directional thing as far as the sellers are concerned. Beyond relationship selling, like how do you guys think about that D2C or retail channel? Is that a threat to your current business or is it an enablement? It's a really good question. Uh, And it's one that I would say Avon has, and actually a lot of direct selling companies have been struggling with for, well decades actually in terms of you know even most of them would have the representative at the center of their business model rather than the customer and then how do we service that customer a lot of customers can be serviced through the representative but actually having your own direct channels it can actually be very complementary because like if i think about the uk for example it's quite a saturated retail landscape quite you know, yes, we have encouraged our representatives to open up their own stores as per the model that I just mentioned in kind of a franchise model. But again, to rent a retail space, potentially have some personnel if you can't be in the store yourself, it adds up a lot. And to invest all of your hard-earned savings in into a venture like that, it's not for everybody. And so that's where we need to be realistic that in some markets, that model would be an incredibly slow burn or would potentially put even our representatives' earnings at risk. And that's where in the UK, for example, we went for a partnership with Superdrug, which is a pharmacy beauty chain like in the US where you have Ulta or Walgreens. And so we've done that partnership to roll out in 100 of their stores. And we're actually monitoring what's happening to our representatives in the area of a store. So we take a five mile radius and we look at their sales versus the control group. And actually what we've seen is that for now, there is no impact on the longer run. That's what we have seen, for example, in uh, Turkey, actually the representatives in the vicinity of a store, they actually, their sales go up because in a way your visibility of your brand increases because all of a sudden there might be an Avon customer who shops through representative, passes by a retail store and goes like, oh, right, yes, I need to call my representative or I need to send her a text that I need this or that product. So again, it acts actually as much as a point of sales, also as a point of marketing. And that's where we've seen that the whole ecosystem actually starts benefiting from a more omni-channel access and being present where the customers are present. Because that's where in a lot of developed markets, direct selling has been shrinking. And that's where, you know, opening up that access will actually help the remaining representatives is what we have seen. Because again, we have about 2000 products. We're not going to put 2000 products in retail. We put basically in, in Superdog, there's 60 products. And then we say, and by the way, if, and of course it's the best selling products, but then we say, if you want the full range, go and shop with one of our representatives and get that high touch, personalized beauty advice that you can enjoy from them. So we're always linking back to our representatives, because again, it's a differentiator for us to have that high touch beauty advice, but not everybody wants it for every customer journey. If you just want to quickly replenish, you might just prefer to get it off Amazon or whatever. And so until now we didn't offer those opportunities, but now we try to always have 
because not all representatives are brilliant traders on DTC. So we need to make, and, and actually by being present on marketplaces, in direct-to-consumer e-commerce, and in some of that retail, that actually enables us to better advise the representatives who are present on marketplaces, who have their affiliate links to our website, etc., to trade better. So that's ultimately our intent, is how do we make everybody benefit from a more holistic ecosystem of access to the brand? It's so fascinating. I do want to pick up on market differences. So it's clear, developed markets versus markets that might be emerging. There is another part to your job title. So you're not just the CMO, you're also the MD of the Western Europe business. Sarah and I are obviously based in the US, but we do work globally. And it seems like Western Europe has been hit pretty hard with inflation, similar to the US. What's your overall economic outlook on the region going into 2024? First, I would say looking at the Christmas trading that is ahead of us. I mean, it's interesting. Some years Christmas starts very early. Other years it starts a bit later. This year, I definitely have the feeling that the bulk is getting a little bit later. And definitely people seem to be holding out for some really good deals before they commit their money. I guess it's a consequence uh, indeed of those quite significant inflation that we've seen and that we still have. I mean, uh, we're still not out of the woods. It's coming down, but there's still, you know, inflation is still too high. For holiday season, we're still projecting, you know, really strong sales, but they've just shifted a little bit backwards. I think for next year, we'll see a, a decent growth, but not explosive growth, I think, in the beauty market. If there is the growth, it, we see it predominantly driven by pricing rather than by units and by volume, I would say. And definitely a bit of a downtrading to more affordable products and things like that is, is some of the dynamics or you know, waiting until there's a better deal versus some of the, the years before, I would say. That's highly insightful. So as you think about the role that digital commerce plays in that beauty overall. Mm. I I hear you saying you think there's going to be a trade down in beauty. The combination of price is really what's going to be the driver, less so units sold. So this really is a category share game and making sure that if you're in the luxury space, Mm. you don't get people trading down. And if you're in the value space, you can really try to make it up on volume. How far out do you see this happening or do you see new categories emerging? It's a good point. And, you know, clearly there's still a little bit of the post-pandemic kind of waves that are coming through in terms of, I would say, like fragrances is still on a roll. If you look at cosmetics as well, color cosmetics, skincare and body and toiletries, all, you know, all the the more caring products, they're still good. But interestingly, we see some different dynamics by subcategory. But again, it also depends on which country because the dynamics in Western Europe are different versus what we, for example, see in the Philippines. Because again, Philippines had less inflation than, for example, Western Europe. So some of these dynamics uh, are kind of a bit different by geography. Uh, But by and large, what we see is really solid growth in our fragrances business, really solid growth in our cosmetics business, modest growth in face care, and then body and toiletries kind of more flattish. For some reason, we all used way more body and toiletries products during the pandemic. I don't know. (laughs) More showers. Yeah, probably. That's it. Yeah. We're all at work now. As a double header, we have to give you a twist on our famous last question, which is what's the second bravest thing you've ever done? Yes, yes. I was told not to repeat the one I said last time, but I guess my second bravest would probably be, I guess, my coming out story. 
I did my coming out back in 1999, yeah, you know, like in the, in the Prince uh, story. But, uh, and, and I was 22 way back when. So it was a bit of a late bloomer. Had lots of relationships with women, et cetera, but not lots of, a few. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> don't want to create the wrong impression here. But, uh, you know, I had a few relationships with women and, you know, I never even thought uh, I, I might have been gay, et cetera. But then, you know, at... Um, was at a party actually and you know I, I didn't feel quite right all the time uh you know so like, mm, is that it is that what everybody is on about and then i was at a party i was president of a student organization and uh, i got talking to another president of a student organization and then anyways after a few beers after a few drinks he asked like you know what if you're thinking these things don't you think that you might be gay and i'm like Oh my God, that would now make all sense in the world. And basically the next day I did my coming out to my parents, to all of my friends. Uh, I basically had them lined up in half an hour slots in the, in a bar around the corner from the uni because I wanted everybody to find out at the same time and didn't want to make a big group announcement. There was no social media. So basically I got them all in a bar half an hour. So by the end, so 48 hours, 24 hours later, everybody knew. I hadn't even touched the guy. Uh, so basically, well, that was reasonably brave, but because clearly if then it wouldn't have worked out, it would have been painful to paddle back from there. But yeah, uh, so that was kind of probably the, the bravest or the second bravest thing I did. <laughs> Love your executive functioning with coming out. You're like, let's get it done in 30 minutes. Like the OCD, exactly. <laughs> well, Christoph, you're always a wealth of knowledge. It's so fascinating to hear how Avon is evolving its omni-channel strategy, and thank you for all of your global insights. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wow, that's so fascinating. And shout out to that seller who is using WhatsApp in such a sophisticated way. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two others that we thought you would find interesting, both with gentlemen who have names of Chris. There's Chris from Dell, who also talks about a multi-pronged channel selling strategy. Clearly not cosmetics. We're talking about consumer electronics there. And then if you want to dive deeper into beauty and again, think about multi-channels, go check out Chris Chesborough from Wella, who not only talks about their B2C business, but also their B2B business. If you enjoyed this episode, write a review, tell a friend, find us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer 
at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.